Welcome to Saturday Strategy, the business show for the small and mighty. This is your host, Johnny Themans. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Saturday Strategy. Thanks very much for joining us. This is the show for business owners who want to cut the crap and get the answers. I'm Johnny, I'm your host, and we've got a great, great guest with us today. So if you're driving, getting on with other stuff, uh, you can find all the links in the show notes, or better still, why not subscribe to the Saturday Strategy Weekly Email News Update. Today, we're going to be taking a close look at how we, as business professionals, can effectively communicate via body language and channel our emotions to our advantage. We're all in strange circumstances at the moment, so wherever you are, there's going to be something in here for you. Our guest is a truly inspirational local hero from right here in Shropshire, and he's a living embodiment of how he describes working with what you've got, and we can all take something from that. Today, we're joined by a former world record holder, a holder of the European 100-meter sprint and the current British holder of the 100 and 200-meter sprint. He's been to three Olympics representing Team GP. He's won two Olympic medals. He's um, been to five world championships, five European championships. And the interesting thing is that he's done it all from a wheelchair. Um, Mickey Bushell is a really amazing uh, hero that we have here in Shropshire. And it's really um, a great you know, honour, really, to have you, Mickey, here on Saturday Strategy. And I wanted to get you on to talk about something that you said to me um, a while ago when you said, we have to work with what we've got. And I thought that was an incredible um, an incredibly powerful statement because it probably works for all of us. Mickey, thanks, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Mickey, I think you've, uh, the, the, why this is particularly relevant for business is you are in the world of business now, aren't you? And working with companies with your business called Project Emotion, um, which you were explaining to me is all about, um, well, it, it's about a lot of things, but based uh, primarily around the importance of emotional intelligence. Do you want to just launch off by perhaps giving us a, a talk into that subject by telling us or giving us a, a description of what emotional intelligence actually is? Sure. So as we understand it is emotional intelligence, it's all about the uh, recon- recognizing your own and other people's emotions. Now, the applications for this is vast. Uh, so an example for the business world is maybe you're a boss or you know, say a leader. We, we don't want to be bosses. We want to be leaders. Um, and we have that emotional intelligence to understand how our employees, how our clients, our customers are feeling. Now, that's very powerful in business because if you know how people are feeling, we know how to sort of make them happy. And that's what it's all about. We want to make people happy and we want to help people. So having that information is I think is incredibly important. Uh, the other side of things, we could have uh, sort of a sales side of things where, again, we want to make people happy, but we also want to know when sort of sales meetings are not going so well as well. Mm. If we know how people are feeling about what we're saying, then we can kind of tailor and sort of change the direction of where we're going, depending on the reaction we're getting. Yeah. And basically that's sort of the, the basics of okay. emotional intelligence. 
I think it's interesting. I mean, most of us, if we've done any selling, have been in those meetings where the meeting's not going well. Yeah. Um, and often it's hard to really decode why it's not going well um, in the moment, isn't it? So yeah. what, what sort of things do you do to help us understand um, and decode that sort of stuff right there? And then how do, how do we read the signs? So what we do, uh, one part of our training is uh, deception training, funny enough. Now, we're not saying people, everybody lies. Um, we're not saying that, but what we're saying is the cues are given there in our nonverbal. And to be able to read those cues, we kind of need to see what people do when they are lying. And that's a, it's a good way of sort of learning and just learning body language and noticing different changes, because that's all it is. Uh, if, the body, if the words are coming out, but the body language is not consistent with, with the words, then something's off. Okay. Um, and that's give how we sort of look at it. Give us a practical, give it, tell us, tell us what you would be looking for then, or if you, what are the tells? What <laughs> are you able to, are you able to sort of share that with us? Well, there's no tells as such. Everybody's a bit different. Everybody's got, so what we would start with is baseline, baseline that person on their natural behavior. Now we do this in a uh, kind of an easy way of you could ask them questions that you already know the answer to and you see how they react to that. Mm -hmm. And that'll give you the baseline. So you ask them, you know, talk about the weather. That's as simple as it can be. Talk about something that is not important, that is feeling relaxed. And that's the other part of emotional intelligence as well. Can you put people at ease? Mm. Can you make them feel emotionally at ease? Um, And that's one good skill to have as well. Yeah, that golden thing of rapport, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, for sure. You know, if there's no rapport, there's no there's no sale Mm. and there's no friendship. There's no relationship. And without a good relationship, there is no business. No powerful stuff. So Mickey, tell us a little bit about that statement. When we, when I did the introduction there, that, that thing you said to me, you've got to work with what you've got. Um, it, it really resonated because you know, what, what your, what, what we would see from the outside as being a hugely sort of limiting factor, you seem to have just taken in your stride and treated it as part of life and, got on and become an elite athlete you know how, how how can we take that as an inspiration and, and apply it to our own lives how, how does that relate to the rest of us well over the years i've learned this just purely by just doing what i do uh, and not seeing it as a, a limiting factor just seeing it as a as a hurdle that needs to be just got over now i think people can decide how big that hurdle is for themselves And the only sort of hurdle realistically to us all is our own mind and our own mindset and how we see life. Uh, I learned this uh, as well. And it really resonated with me, actually, this uh, when I was a couple of years ago, when I was over in Australia with my um, ex-ex coach. And I was kind of, I was a little bit unfair. I was just coming back up from injury. I had a shoulder and elbow injury. So I was out for about four or five months of training. And I went over to Australia to try and get fit again and do some races. And I was always complaining for the first part of the week, complaining about how unfit I was, how sluggish I felt, and, uh, you know, some other aspects. And he kind of just sat me down and he goes, look, he goes, yeah, you are unfit. You're not as strong as you used to be. Um, but why are we focusing on what you haven't got when you've got this, this, and this? So these are the good positive points that you have got. So use them. Use them effectively. Mm-hmm. And that's how we can look at it. We can sort of do an analysis of, Right, we haven't got this, but we have got this. 
and just list it, list all the positives of what we've got and say, right, I can use, I can apply this to this, I can apply it and just go through the list. And how do you deal with that, Mickey, when, when that, that big specter of the problem, it might be, you know, in business, it might be staff problems, it might be money, it might be huge pressure of a project that's kind of got massive project creep or just not going well and is, is sort of derailing everything else, or it might be, um, you, you know, those kind of things that we experience. How do you, how do you get perspective on those when you're, you know, you're right up, right up against them and they feel massive? Uh, from my experience, I felt that just taking a step back and having a bit of sort of me time to really focus on myself first and get my own, my own emotions in check. So I can be a bit more um, productive mm-hmm. in that sense and really work on, right, what are, what are the problems first and then work on, well, what solutions have we got at our disposal and then just work through it and try and tackle one problem at a time, not tackle everything at one time. Because we just, I think it's natural that we all want to fix everything straight away and get it done. And that, that's not a problem. Uh, but it's, I think, what we just need to do, take that step back and focus on one problem at a time and we'll just get through the list a lot quicker, actually, because we're going to be focused on this problem, that problem, and we're just going to lose our heads. Yeah. And I think that's the major problem is trying to fix everything at, at one time. Yeah, sure. And some of us are talkers and some of us are closed-off people, aren't we? Mm-hmm. How, do we how do we sort of tackle that, do you think? Is it, You know, they say any problem is is better solved when you get two two heads are better than one side of things. How, how do yep. you how do you go about approaching that problem? Well, as you say, you know everybody's different, and we all deal with our emotions differently. And we have this thing called body budgeting. In, emo- in emotional terms, we have body budgeting. Okay. So this is where we sort of regulate our own emotions. Uh, we do things that help us feel good. Some of us, some of, for some of us, we talk and we talk to someone. We need that person or that support network, shall I say, to just talk to and vent. Even if they don't give any answers back, it's just to vent and get it out and then we feel better. For some other people, it's painting. Some other people, it's playing games or drawing or writing even. You've just got to find something that you feel good about and just go off and do it. Mm. Um, and if you're a talker, chat to someone that you trust. I think that's an important part of it is someone that you can talk to and just vent to. Yeah. Um, and you can let everything out where you're not holding back. Mm. And if you're not a talker, then maybe you're a writer or as I said, a painter or something else to release that stress. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And the other thing that you were, you were explaining to me, which I think is hard for a lot of people is, 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 living with imperfection i often have to tell people one of the things about running a small company is there's so you've got such limited resources you have to be able to live with imperfection you know you can't be perfect at everything and and there's the there's the old cliche of don't let perfect get in the way of good because sometimes people just don't get things done and it ends up in procrastination and um when was it mickey you told me that you said uh, there was a moment in your in your career or something when you realized you didn't have to win every time yeah, I think it's, uh, <laughs> I've been to five world championships and I've never won a gold out of world champs. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Which is really annoying and incredibly annoying. But 
I first found this in 2011. I was the world record holder at the time. I was the favorite to win at this particular world championships. It was the first time that I was the favorite, actually. I was just coming up into my career. I was 20, I was 20 at the time. And I won. I was undefeated, actually, through all smaller races and races around the world for about three years prior to this. Yeah. And I lost. I lost that world championships. I lost by six inches as well, which is even worse. <laughs> um, the thing is, what I learned from that was you've got to lose to grow. Mm-hmm. you got to fail to grow. And that was a major turning point for me that maybe winning every single race is not a good thing. Yeah. And then, you know, a year later, I went to 2012 and won gold at the biggest competition for any athlete's life, especially yeah. in a home crowd. So I was actually, it took me a year, but I was actually glad that I lost previously because if I hadn't, would I have changed anything? Yeah. Was that uh, on the Super Sunday of the uh, Paralympics, was it, that you did that? Pa- possibly. I'm not yeah. sure. I think I was there. Oh, awesome. Even yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was exciting. I mean, I'd remember you because there was, um, you know, because it was the, because uh, um, the Shropshire Connection sort of thing. Um, yeah. So, so in terms of relating this back to business, I think it was Richard Branson who said, you know, the six, one of the biggest reasons for the success of the Virgin organization was that they learned quickly how to fail quick and fail cheap. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in embracing failure as part of the process uh, and Elon Musk's just, you know, the um, Tesla organization has just sent a man into space. And he said, when we started this project, I didn't, I really didn't think we'd succeed. But yeah. He just did it anyway. Cause he knew yeah. that actually by failing, they would learn other stuff and it would, it would, they would develop technology and they would, they would do other things and there would be other good things that came out from it. I actually, I love Elon Musk, actually. I love uh, watching his interviews, actually, and I gain quite a lot from him. Uh, just generally how, he, how his mindset is that he, mm. um, that he just has that self-belief. Yeah. And that's the, that's the powerful thing is that self-belief. A lot of people won't believe in you, and that's okay. Um, but you just got to have that self-belief to carry on. Yeah, okay. So um, tell, us about, tell us about some of the work you're doing with, uh, with companies, you know, um, are you currently working with any teams or, or individuals? How do, how do you tend to, to work most? So we, we do a range of both. Um, we recently just did some team building before the, the virus stuff happened because <laughs> um, we have to be face-to-face. But, yeah, so we did some team building stuff because it's, it's great to have a, a bonded team. That's very important, I think, to really succeed and be productive. So that's one part of what we do. But we also, we, some of the coolest work I've, that I've really, really enjoyed is we worked with a professional poker player. Okay. And it was fantastic because it was, it was everything embodied in nonverbal communication, but also we had that real-time feedback as well of whether it works or not. Mm-hmm. You know, is what we're doing working? And it was a fantastic thing because he kind of said to us, he goes, wow, I'm learning quite a lot. And then he went and took it to the tables and he came back a winner, you know? (laughs) So that feedback was amazing for us. Yeah. And it was just really cool work because there was, okay, poker player to business is very different in a sense, but it's, there's a lot of parallels as well. Yeah. Uh, You think about negotiating. You've got to know what the other person is feeling and thinking. Um, can you negotiate effectively? Can you read that person in that real time? And having the poker, poker skills, as it were, is a really powerful thing in business negotiating, sales, 
Um, so we work with people a lot of like that. A lot of um, sort of entrepreneurs where small businesses where you've got to do a bit of everything. So you're making that product, but you're also, you've got to sell that product, you've got to market that product. Um, so having that sales skill, I think is one of the most important skills out there. Mm. 100%. Yeah. I think even if in a management role, you're selling, aren't you? For sure. Yeah. You're, you're, you're getting your employees to buy into your vision. So you're, everything is a sale. Yeah. So how do you go about, you used a great week, you led me beautifully to that. How do you go about setting that, those long-term goals? I presume you sit down with your coach, do you? In, in, I'm talking now, going back to your, um, your, 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 your sports world. When you're sitting down with your coach, do you set goals for, you know, we're going to focus on the Olympics or how, how, do, you, how do you do that? Well, it's changed over the years, actually. So um, when I was sort of a, a sort of a more junior athlete, the goal was just to have fun. That was it. Just have fun. Um, and then when it started getting serious, the goal was still have fun. Um, and that's one goal that has never changed. If you don't have fun, don't do it. That's what I, that's my motto actually for business, for anything, sport, life, whatever. If you're not having fun, don't just stop because there's mm. just no point to it. Uh, you're not going to do it well. Um, but the goals sort of, it was to, we always look to get a certain time and, you know, a qualifying time, a certain standard we always wanted to reach. And when I was younger, it was kind of making the team for GB. Yeah. And I, I'm at 16, I made it for um, a world championships. So that was my first ever world championships. I never made a final. But, you know, I was 16. I was probably the youngest by 10 years. Mm. Um, so the next goal was to make a final. But two years later, I made Beijing. And we made a final. And then we won a medal. And we were like, huh. So we jumped a few steps now within two years. That's a, a big step, uh, given the time frame. So the next sort of goal was, well, okay, we've got four years to the next one for London. So the goal is to win gold now. And then, so the year later after Beijing, I, won the, I broke the world record. So we're like, where do we go now? We've got three years to keep focused and keep pushing. Yep. So the time and the, the stopwatch became the goal now. How fast can we make this world record? Can we make it unbeatable? And that was always the kind of the mindset. Can we make it unbeatable? Can we get stronger? Can we be consistent? Because what I've actually learned recently, actually, about myself is as an athlete, when you, when you have a sort of a failure and I've had a quite a, a big failure recently, um, for the last few years, uh, reasons why Rio didn't go too well. In 2015, I had septus. Okay. I was out for nine months. Um, I was about, they, the specialist said I was about 12 hours from just kaput. Yeah. Uh, so it's a big, it was yeah. a, it's a big illness. Um, so it put things into perspective of, Okay, so we've had this. I went to Rio. I had a lot of sort of um, mental problems with uh, feeling good and just feeling very, very low. So the year later, then we went to a World Championships in London and won a silver. So those two years of really bad times mm-hmm. is just a stepping stone to more success. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what we look at. Yeah. And that's so the think, goal. So I think particularly during this testing time, Mickey, I, I think if anybody was to be feeling any of those pressures of it being a tough time or, um, or anything else like that, then actually we are going to get through this, aren't we? There is going to yeah. be a tomorrow. Um, yeah. 
and and it's working out what that tomorrow looks like and, and setting some new goals and then putting the steps in place to get there. Yeah, it's kind of, what's your end goal, first of all? What is the goal you want? And then working backwards of how to get it. And that's how we always look at the Paralympics, right? So say now, for example, winning, winning a medal, winning gold in Tokyo is the goal. How do we get there? What do we need to do? What are the steps leading up to Tokyo? And just reverse engineer it backwards. And then we can have the planning set and we just apply it. Things are obviously going to change as well. Um, things are going to go wrong. And it's just how we adapt to those problems is the real skill, I guess. Mm. Okay, Mickey. Um, we're just coming towards, you know, we, 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 we're only just touching on this, uh, on this subject. There's a lot, there's a lot to it. <laughs> Um, what, 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 what piece of sort of key advice would you want to be giving right now to a business owner um, in terms of grasping opportunities that are in front of them or getting over problems that are facing them right now? Be patient. Be real patient. Um, and don't sort of focus on short-term happiness. Focus on a, a long-term happiness. I think research suggests that we always sort of pick what makes us happy in the moment but might not work out to long-term happiness. Mm. And I think a lot of decisions are built on that. And I think if we can change that sort of, sometimes it's the decision we make in the moment is not always going to feel good, but long-term is going to be beneficial. So it's having that sort of mindset of, right, I'm not happy right this second, but in the long term I will be. Mm. You know, I think about this a lot with um, diet. Diet's a great example of this. You know, you feel really bad at first when you first go onto the diet, but you know, in six months' time, you're going to feel great. Yeah. And it's exactly the same for business. It's exactly that patience and knowing that you need to just chill at mm. first and relax and just know your end goal. So always know your own goal and be patient. Brilliant, Mickey. It's been really good of you to come on. Um, how do we find Project Emotion and, uh, and, and learn more about what you're up to? Uh, well, we have a website. It's just www.projectemotion.com, and that's mm-hmm. it. Um, and then also, if anybody d- does want to get in contact, just uh, probably the easiest way to contact me is either off the email on Project Emotion's website or through Instagram. Okay. Just Nikki Bushel on Instagram. Um, and yeah, great. And what are you training for at the moment? Tokyo. That's it. Brilliant. <laughs> that's Tokyo, Tokyo, goal. Tokyo. Full, yeah, single focus. Yeah. Well done, Mickey. Really great to have you on. Um, great parallels there very very interesting and uh, thanks for sharing that all with us thank you for having me thank you Mickey for that um, assistance really great inspiration there and uh, that is it for this episode of Saturday Strategy thanks very much for sticking with us to the end if you wanted to reach out and contact me then you can do so using WhatsApp which is 07977437360 and that's my personal mobile number and so thanks again until next time and remember if you enjoyed this and you want to hear more hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts Mm -hmm.